So who knows we've been doing the elephant in the room, talking about those topics that, you know, oh, really? Uh, this morning, if you weren't here, uh, Carolina did a whole doctrinal theological uh, session, which was amazing. Uh, you can see it online and check it out. And it was like, the question was this, does a loving God or why would God send people to hell? She answered that question. If you want to know the answer to that question, well, then you need to go online and check it out this week because I'm not going to give you that answer. You should all know it by now. And uh, so should I give him the answer? No, who cares? Anyway, so if you want to know that, you need to go and have a look. Uh, and then over the you know, last couple of weeks, we've answered a few topics. But uh, one of the ones that came in was this. Have we got that on the screen? Here we go. The elephant in the room tonight is when we're ready. Oh, are we a church or are we a business? Whoa. Come on, everyone go, whoa. You know, some people write in there, oh, is it a church? Oh, no, it's just a business or it's just an institution. The church. Well, I'm going to answer this one tonight. I want to say we are in the business of bringing redemption to a nation. In other words, yes, we are a business, we're on purpose, and we have things to achieve. And some of them are like, no, no, yes. Because I'm going to tell you, business is God's vehicle to bring in revival. Everyone's like, really? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're all supposed to be about God's business. We're all supposed to be about the work of the Father. And, and I read through the scriptures and even Jesus, you know, when he was a young boy at the age of 12, he, you know, his parents lose him. I don't know about you, but you know, my kids are amazing and I never want to lose my kids. We have every now and then lost one in a shopping center in another country at the age of three, but eventually we found her. She was the only English speaking kid in the shopping center, but we found her. Thanks, Layla. Our heart stopped. We nearly, you know, we could have had three kids here tonight, not four. <laughs> and that was just for a moment. But you read through the scriptures and here this this couple, Joseph and Mary. They're entrusted with the Savior of the world. And they know it. And they lose him for three days. Three days, we did like maybe half an hour, maybe 10 minutes. Who knows, it felt like eternity. But three days, they, they lose him. And then where do they find him? They find him in the temple conversing with the scholars of the day, conversing with the religious leaders. The religious leaders are like, wow, he's blowing my mind. This, you know, Of course, if God's sitting there, Jesus himself, the word, is sitting there speaking to religious, he's going to blow anyone's mind. No matter the age. But it's like, whoa. And, and, and then his parents are like, come on, what are you doing here? And he's like, you know what? I'm about my father's business. Jesus had business here on earth to do. His business was to come and save humanity. His business was to come and set the captives free. His business was to come and be a sacrifice so that you and I could have a relationship with God so that our sins can be washed away when we make the choice. Oh, I can't say that because that's the answer to this morning. When we make the choice. 
Because he gives us free will. He gives us a choice. We're in the business of seeing heaven come to earth and lives change. Well, why do you have books that we sell every now and then? Why do we do music? Why do we do... You know, because it costs money. Well, really? So we should just give everything for free. We give and we give and we give. But the reason we do these things is why? Because music changes culture. When we release our worship albums, when we put them on Spotify, when they go across the world, they create culture. What you listen to creates the culture, the reality that you have around your life. Why do you think we've got a younger generation struggling with porn, struggling with those things, mental health issues? Why just start listening to some of the rap crap that they listen to? Oh, sorry, I didn't say that. Because you listen to the words, it gets inside their soul, and then all of a sudden, they're struggling. They're struggling with their identity. They're struggling with thoughts. They're, they're struggling with all those things. Why? Because it's a stronghold. It's, it builds the culture that they live in. Because constantly they're singing it, they're repeating it. That's why we need worship moves, music. That's why we do these things. That's why we come and we declare because we're declaring into the atmosphere the culture of heaven. This is what we do. The reason why there are so many Christian books and they're around the world as well. Why? Because it builds a foundation in people's lives. Why do we have Christian schools? Well, let's face it. Public schools are not going to have the ethos of Christianity in them. They're not going to have the philosophy. They're not going to have the backbone. Why do we have hospital? Why? Because we, friend, we're in the business of bringing heaven to earth. That's what the church is about. Yes, we are a business and we are focused. The early church was on business. Friend, today, you and I should be on business. You and I should be on business. Is the church a business? Yes, we are a business. We are in the business of working God's redemptive plan for humanity. In other words, we're in the business of sharing the gospel. Declaring his goodness, sharing, demonstrating that his kingdom is here and now. Friend, his kingdom is here and now. If you look at Luke, in Luke 17, verse 20 to 21, it says, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come with observation. We can't just observe it. But it is here. Jesus himself says this. It doesn't come with observation, but it actually comes. It's actually here right now in us. The kingdom of heaven, God himself is within us. Friend, it's here now. It's in us now. And so we've got to realize that right now in this time, we have the kingdom in us, and we are here to share the kingdom. We are here to show the kingdom. We are here to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven is here and now. T.D. Jakes believes this. He says that, you know, it's more than just offering the sinner's prayer and confession of salvation. 
You know, we've got to get beyond that, is that we do offer that, but it goes beyond that. It's more about, and he believes that it has a deeper thing to do with, um, with ethics, with education, uh, with economy or economics. In other words, it's a strong desire or strong sense of God's creative plan for all humanity. For all humanity. To see society find salvation and redemption. You know, wherever the church is, the community should flourish. A community should flourish. Wherever you are, because you are the church and you are on business, wherever you are in your workplace, that workplace should flourish. That workplace should flourish. Why? Because you are there. You are bringing the kingdom there. I'm not saying that you're bringing a Bible and you're bashing everyone over the head. But no, you are there, a demonstration of who God is, showing His love, showing His purpose, and bringing transformation. You know, around the church, the tide should rise and not go down. In other words, culture should rise. Holiness, righteousness should rise. There should be growth, there should be multiplication. Why, as the church becomes focused, you and I, on purpose. In the church and society today, it can be seen that there is a divide between the sacred and the secular. Do you realize that? There is actually a theology around this. And there are a lot of people in society that says, you know what, church, you should stay in your four walls. Or, or religion should be back at home. That, that is a private thing. But friend, we are part of society as well. And every time we step out, we are a demonstration of who the kingdom is. We are a demonstration of who God is in and around our life. The great secular divide. It is a thing. It is where some people say, you know what, keep your theology there. You know, politics and Christianity don't mix. Policy, uh, politics and religion don't mix. They, they believe that, you know, there are some things that just don't mix and Christians shouldn't actually have an opinion. Well, friend, today I'm here to say we should have an opinion. Because the reason why we have the society we have today is because men and women were on the business of heaven. The reason why we have education, schools, and hospitals in this nation today is because great men and women of faith stood up and actually did something about it when there was nothing. The same too today. I remember I was at a political event for a fundraiser for someone. And, you know, you, you get to meet certain people in uh, different spheres of influence and and some people, you know, they're business owners and they're CEOs and whatnot. And I remember meeting this guy. And uh, meeting him, and, and I was there with him, and there was only, I don't know, probably about 20 people at this fundraiser. It was in the city at the fireworks in a private home, and, and he's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a pastor. I run a church. And he's like, oh, well, I suppose that's better than being on the doll. I'm like, oh, you're like that, are you, punk? Anyway, but, but, you know, but I'm like, oh, what do you do? And he was high up in the rail industry and doing all those things and whatnot. And, you know, he turns his back on me and starts walking away. And I'm like, I'll get you. Anyway, I cornered him. I'm like, oh, 
So whereabouts in the rail industry are you? What do you do? And we started to talk and I'm like, ah, oh, so you know Barry. He's like, Barry? Barry who? Well, Barry. And everyone in our church knows Barry, Barry Reynolds. They, they oversee our life groups and they welcome people at the door. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. I'm like, good, you know what? He actually comes to our church and he actually serves and he's on team. And he's like, oh, and you could just see him go, Ah, oh. you know what? He was our best friend for the whole night, wasn't he? But there's just this concept that, you know, church and Christianity, don't, they don't mix in society. They don't mix in certain circles. But we've got to realize that there, there is this sort of push away, this thing, but we've got to overcome that. We've got to realize is that we are part of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're here to bring the change. My first point tonight is this, if you're taking notes, we are called to be the change. We are called to be the change. You know, Colossians 3, 23, it says, whatever you do, whatever task your task may be, Work from the soul, that is, put your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. In other words, we are called to be the change. Is that when we go to work, it's not about actually serving our boss, it's not about serving those who pay us, but it's actually about doing everything unto the Lord. It's about being a demonstration of who God is. Is it in that workplace, you should be the best worker there. You should outperform everyone else. You should be there early. You should be there late. You should be the one that is just there willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever you do is a reflection of who God is. It's an expression. It's an experience that someone will, you know, is us outworking who God is in us. We are all designed to work. We are all designed to contribute to society. God created us that way. We are called to outwork the gift that God has put in our hands every day for his purposes. And in doing that, we demonstrate who God is in our life. Friend, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the change first. In being the change, we get to bring the change. You know, Calvin said this, a theologian, he said, God has assigned distinct duties to each in different modes of life. In other words, each and every one of us has a different calling, has a different function, has a different gift. But as we bring those things and we lay it down, we are glorifying God. You know, God isn't surprised at the gift that you have. He isn't surprised that Mark is a phenomenal worship leader. Honestly, he comes here and he sings like a dove and I'm like, why does he get the gift? <laughs> you know, and you look at that and you're like, wow. And then you look at Josh. He's on drums. He can play bass. He can play guitar. He can play keys. And it's like, you make me sick, boy. 
It's like, God, you could have given me one of those talents, but you gave them all to him. You know, these are the moments that you just go, but God's saying, hey, listen, those moments, those gifts are unique to you. Use them. Use them. Use them for my glory. Use them to shine my light. But use them to bring the change. In other words, he's saying, be the change in whatever situation you're in. Whatever workplace you're in. (laughs) We've got to realize that some of us think that this is holy ground right here. But you've got to realize that when you walk into your workplace... Everywhere you step is holy ground. Why? Because God's ordained you to be in that place. Everywhere we step is holy ground. And so don't ever belittle the gift, the place where God has placed you right now for something else. Because you'll miss the moment that God has called you to. And you'll miss the people that God has called you to because you're pining for something else that might not ever be yours. Live in the moment. Take hold of it. Be the change. The difference lies not in our abilities, but in our mentalities. Friend, it lies in your mentality, not your ability. For some of us here, we just need to change our mentality on who we are. We need to change our mentality of, you know what, I I, I just do this. No, no, God has called you. And when he calls you, when you come to that revelation, the joy sparks, the mission sparks, the focus, the calling, because you know that you're in the will of God. You know, a kingdom-focused mission, it's about being on purpose. It's about knowing who he is. A kingdom-minded person looks beyond just the deed, looks beyond just the bottom line, and goes beyond those things. There's a few things that happen. Is the first thing, it is really an essential to the human progress. Is that what you do is you go, you know what, right here, right now, this is essential because I know someone's eternity is on the other end of it. The place that I'm at right now is essential. Why? Because I, I know that it's going to influence someone for good and for God. The second thing is it goes beyond just selling a project, a, a, a product if you're a salesman. It goes beyond just a service. It goes beyond outwork, those things. It goes beyond those things. It goes beyond and into I'm outworking the call of God upon my life. I'm outworking His purposes. It's changing our mentality. And the other thing that you find is that when you have this mentality that you're bringing the change is that you're actually you're bringing an intrinsic value as well as an instrumental value to all who are involved to all who are involved and it's just changing our mindsets changing our mentalities that we are the ones that are bringing heaven to earth we are the ones that are, that are essentially and naturally and spiritually achieving, first and foremost, the purpose of Jesus Christ, of bringing heaven to earth. We are called to be the change. And when we are the change, 
what happens is we bring the change. We actually bring the change. When you know your purpose and you know what you're called to do, you bring the change. And I, I love reading through history and I love reading through the great revivals and I, I love reading through some of these things. Do you realize that in the 1950s, Billy Graham came out and he filled the MCG. It was the largest crowd ever in the MCG in history. When you read through those things and you look at those things today and you read through, but you know, that crusade, it was funded by business people. The guy who started Coles chain, and most of us shop at Coles, the guy who started that sponsored Billy Graham's radio show all around Australia for years. Why? Because his purpose for business was actually kingdom-mindedness. And, and so you read through history, you read through some of these guys, great revivals and great preachers and all those things, but also it was, re, it was resourced by people that had the gift. Is that when we know who we are and what we're called to do, is that we know that we are the change, we know that we bring the change, but then also too, we bring the change. These guys, the guy in 1914 was called George Coles, who created Coles. He did that thing. He, he promoted the gospel all across Australia. But then you read down, he also funded churches. He also stood in the gap and raised money for scouts and those things. Why? Because he believed that his job wasn't just about receiving. It wasn't just about creating wealth for himself. It was actually about lifting society and seeing God move. It was actually about those around him making sure that their life was better just like his. Friend, today I know that there are individuals in this room and you're trying to work out, what does God want me to do? Maybe you could be the next George Coles. You read through his life. He turned up late one day to a board meeting and he got the sack because people were conspiring against him. Why? Because there were people on the board that wanted to keep the profit for themselves. But he was always the one saying, no, we've got to distribute it. You know, there was that much uproar in the nation at the time that he got his job back a couple of weeks later. Because society said, you know what? No, that was wrong. He is a good man. He is a good man. Everyone like a good Cadbury's chocolate? chocolate? Come on, whose who's favorite is Black Forest? Oh, look at that, yes. Well, what about the, the, the marvelous, the crackle in the mouth? Come on. But you, you read those things, you know, look at Cadbury and you look at what they do now. But you realized that the Cabri in 1893 was founded by George Cabri. George must be a good name. Anyone named George around here? You're going to do great things. George Cabri. He was a Quaker. He was a Christian. 
he believed in wherever he was and whatever he did that the tide should rise and people around him should be blessed. But back in those days, there was no welfare, there was no hospital, there was no, none of the things that we have today. No health suit, no things like that. So you know what he did? He brought a hundred acres and he decided to build a town for his workers. He built houses for them. He built football ovals. He built gyms, hospitals. He gave them a dental program. He gave them all these things. And they're living in the slums, but he brought them all in and he gave them all these things. It says that when they started a day's shift, they would pray. And at the end of the day, they'd pray as well. He believed this is that, you know what? He was the change, but he could bring the change. And in bringing the change, he lift the tide for a society. He drew people out of their poverty. He drew people out so that they could change their mentality at the same time. You know, these guys, it, it wasn't all just about the bottom line. It was all about transforming community. So when people say to me, is church a business? I say, yes, it is. It is a business. It's about bringing transformation to a community. It's about seeing the tide rise. It's about seeing salvation come. It's about seeing someone come out of and into life. It's about seeing people made whole. It's about transformation. It's about us being on purpose. Friend, today, you are called to be the change and to bring the change. That is the business of church. That is our business, to bring the redemptive plan of God to earth. Today, we are called to do that. Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they will see good things you do and praise the heavenly father that's what we're called to do we are called to shine our light to do good things so that they will see the heavenly father in other words we're called to demonstrate friend if your vision doesn't touch someone else if your vision is small and insular and it's about you and it's about your cause then it's small. It's not from God. God calls us to expand. God calls us to have a bigger vision. God calls us to answer the questions. Is that what am I doing? How's it going to enable our community to flourish? How's it going to enable those around me to flourish? How's it going to enable those around me to encounter God? And how's it going to provide opportunities for others to move ahead in life. To move ahead in life. You know, there are some people are, that are around me and they're like, Sam, you should just be a, an employment agency 
Or Sam, you should just be a real estate agent. Or you should be all these things because when they come to me with certain things, it's like, well, actually, can I connect you with that? And all of a sudden, someone comes to me and they go, well, actually, we employ so many people from the church. We employ so many people from there. And they're like, you should just actually start an employment agency and actually make money. And I'm like, yeah, I should. But our job, my job, your job, is to make sure those around us flourish and move forward so that we can demonstrate the kingdom of heaven is here and now. Christians are called to do good work, but at the same time to reflect God. To reflect God so that people will praise Him and not you. Friend, it's not about praising me, it's about praising Him and declaring His goodness. My life as a leader, I have to be wary that not everyone has the same personal revelation and commitment to kingdom purposes that I do. But I would ask you tonight, will you change your mentality? Would you change your mentality? Amy Sherman states this. She says, God calls us to fight the ingrained, selfishness with which we struggle and to recognize that his gifts are given to all for common good in other words God has given you a gift for the common good of those around you friend will you use that gift to help those around you to bless those around you to see them come to Christ You know, Psalms, one of my favorite Psalms is this. In Psalms it says, He who wins souls, a wise man wins souls. Have you got that one there? New King James. It says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. And the way we win souls is just by showing the love of Christ getting rid of our selfish desires and putting others first. Friend, today, that's what it's about. We're in the business of seeing lives change, futures altered, seeing them move into a relationship with God.